It is the final Friday workday of 2021, and it means this is the last Friday episode of Today in Ohio for this year. It is Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn with Lisa Garvin, Layla Atassi, and Laura Johnston. And I bet you I just rocked your socks. Did you realize today is oh, the last Friday? Oh, I completely Friday realized this. Yes. <laughs> I did a little happy dance this morning. It's my kid's last day of school for the year. My husband's done with work, and I'm like, I can see the end. Okay. Well, but, you know, the end means there's a new beginning coming shortly <laughs> there. Can't wait till January 3rd, everybody, when we'll be back. When we erase <laughs> all of it we have to start fresh and hit all new goals i mean we've had a terrific <laughs> year at our newsroom we've really made big steps to sustainable journalism and it's like one of the best endings we've ever had we're actually ending the year with more reporting positions than we started with i've never been able to say that the entire <laughs> wow. time i've been an editor for 20 years so things are going fairly well here let's begin What did the Ohio Supreme Court think of a lawsuit challenging Ohio Governor Mike DeWine's Vaximillion program? And what logic did Justice Pat DeWine use to recuse himself from this case, but not the gerrymandering case in which his dad is a central player? Laura, I love the Pat DeWine angle of this, but let's go to the wackadoodle notion of the lawsuit first. Okay, but I I do feel like I'm going to channel Jane uh, Cahoon here and being like, you are asking me to put myself from the perspective of people I don't understand. So um, you always ask what people are thinking. I don't know. But the court did throw out the case because they found the challengers were ineligible to file the lawsuit against Maximilian. The decision was unsigned, and it found that the group, which is called Ohio Stands Up, with an exclamation point, it didn't have the standing to file suit against this lottery. And they, they were arguing that the lottery was discriminatory because only residents who, quote, assume the risk of the vaccine, unquote, were eligible to win. And this is ludicrous. It called vaccines poisonous <laughs> to kids. It dubbed Vaximilian nothing but a political bribery stunt and a future <laughs> further power play to destroy the finances of Ohio and its economy. So the court did not address these conspiracy theories. Basically, they just said that it wasn't of great importance and interest to the public. And so they didn't have standing. Yeah, they, 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 what's sad is that the justices didn't say, you don't have standing and you're wackos and you're crazy and don't bring this kind of nonsense to us ever again. We, we have intelligence and brains and we don't deal with fringe theories that you dig out of Facebook. And then Pat DeWine recused himself. Right. This one boggles my mind. Right. He chose to recuse himself because his father's one of the defendants. That's all <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. His father is a defendant and a, and a very well-known gerrymandering case that he refuses to just, you know, to uh, recuse himself in. Well, his father's not just a defendant in the gerrymandering case. He's a central figure. He said stuff that the chief justice focused on in her questioning. His father could not be a more central figure in the gerrymandering case. And Pat DeWine stays. And yet, in the logic of his wacko mind, in this other case, he had to drop off. It just makes no sense whatsoever. And I think when his his law license is challenged when the gerrymandering case is over and people seek to remove him, this is going to work against him. I think others are going to go, so let us get this straight. The Vaximilian case, your dad had such a key role that you had to recuse yourself, but in the gerrymandering case where what your dad said was kind of the crux of the whole case, 
Not so much? Please explain that to us. I can't wait to see how he does the dance on I mean, that one. Yeah, what's it going to be? Well, they needed my vote more in gerrymandering? <laughs> it just it <laughs> makes no sense, and it taints the whole process. I, Maureen O'Connor is a very sane and normal person, and she has to just be marveling at the logic of Pat DeWine on what he chooses to recuse himself from. I wonder if it's just a coin flip, you know, where he rolls the <laughs> dice or something. And that would make more sense than trying to imply logic. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Yeah. You're listening to Today in Ohio. How did Easy Pass overcharge 6,000 Ohio accounts by some seriously big margins? And Lisa, why don't state agencies ever make these errors in our favor? They always make these errors and they harm us. Yes. Although hopefully here the harm is transitory, but uh, there was a software coding error. Apparently they updated their systems overnight earlier. And what happened was some people have accounts where it automatically replenishes when it's when it's empty. Well, these accounts got replenished to the tune of $250 for a lot of people without their knowledge and others had um, other amounts withdrawn, but um, it only affected it. Well, only it's 6,000 people, mad people, I'm sure, but that's about 1% of the 500,000 accounts affected. It happened during, like I said, there was a scheduled website update overnight and that's when it happened. Um, the Turnpike people were quick to say that there was no personal account info that was compromised. And the contractor who made the mistake, they skipped a whole step in doing the HTML script and uh, Transcore was the contractor, but they fixed that. So now they're trying to get this money refunded to the people who lost it. They hope to have it done by end of business today, but we'll see. But if you feel like, you know, you've lost money or or affected by this coding glitch, you can email them at customer service center at ohioturnpike.org. So yeah, at least they caught it quickly and they owned up to it and they're refunding the money. So, I mean, it could have been worse. Well, we should point out too, when they take that money, they put it into your account. And as you drive through tolls, they draw down from that. I have easy pass, but I have it from another state. I didn't get Ohio's because they were too expensive. And but and what you know you it draws down whenever it is thirty five bucks at a time and when you get close to exhausting that it draws down another thirty five so in this case instead of drawing down twenty five they drew down two fifty so people would have a few years of money maybe on their turnpike account <laughs> if it went that way but when it's unexpected and you are running your bank account on a margin you know that's enough to probably put people into some expensive bank fees. Uh, and like I said, they never make this error in your favor. They never like credit these accounts with free money. They always right. they always harm the taxpayer. Think about how the unemployment office has stuck it to people for the past two years. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost will have to answer for some of his political shenanigans in his re-election run next year, it appears. We've pointed out that Dave Yost never misses a chance to use a Republican trope to enter lawsuits that he has no business being in. He's done some ridiculous (laughs) things. Layla, who's running against him that's going to be pointing this stuff out for the next 12 months? It's Parma State Representative Jeff Crossman. He said Thursday he's going to run. No other Democrats are currently seeking this seat, so he's kind of out there, out there alone. Um, Cross, he, Crossman's a, f- a former Parma City Councilman and an attorney. He was most recently reelected in November 2020, but you know the last round of redistricting 
has left his state house district more Republican. They they say it leans slightly Democratic, but Donald Trump won it by three points in the 2020 election. So I'm going to say that's probably not accurate, that it's mostly Democratic. Um, but, you know, Crossman has been a lead Democratic voice attacking Republicans over their ties to the nuclear bailout bill, House Bill 6, and, and all the corruption associated with that. He says that the attorney general's office deserves someone with more integrity, who will fight for accountability and transparency in government. He blames Yost and, and all the other Republicans for not doing more in response to to House Bill 6 and, and all the scandal. You know, to that, a spokeswoman for Yost campaign said, well, you know, a guy who voted for Larry Householder, a speaker, doesn't exactly bring a lot of credibility to this race. <laughs> um, she said Dave Yost is the one who went to court and sued First Energy and took back $2 billion for Ohioans, and he'll be running on his record protecting Ohioans. Um, you know, so. Well, actually, Crossman was central in the move that finally ousted uh, uh, Householder from the, the House. Mm. I mean, he, he mm. was the one that basically got the votes together, and finally Amelia Sykes went along with that. I mean, he, he, he couldn't take it. He was furious. And actually, he gives a lot of credit to us because we kept writing about it, keeping mm. the pressure on, and that helped him get the votes together. So to, to paint him as a friend of Larry Householder is yeah. ridiculous because the, nobody was on the Republican side was working to get him out. It took the Democrats to make that so embarrassing that they finally did it. He's an interesting guy. I mean, it, you know, you would have to give the edge, a big edge, to Yost because of how Republican the state is. But Yost has done some shameful things. I mean, this investigation that he keeps open of Armin Budish, the Cuyahoga County executive, mm -hmm, was a complete mm -hmm. political shill. I mean, there was never a chance, I don't think, that Armin Budish would have been convicted of a crime and yet, here we are, I think, what, two and a half years into that investigation, it's it's borne no fruit involving Armin Budish. Right. They haven't charged him with anything, yet they keep it open. And, yep. you know, that's political shenanigans. They looked at Armin Budish as a potential, at one point, of a statewide Democratic threat. That's ridiculous today, because he so bollocks the job as county executive. But they started this investigation, and they've... It's just a sham. So... If Crossman's out there pointing that out, good. Ohioans should hear the stuff Dave Yost has done these past three and a half years. He's done some good stuff. I mean, we've saluted him for his attacks on, on the, the Big Pharma and some of the other areas. But, man, he has been shameless about going with ridiculous Republican talking points. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So good for Jeff Crossman. We'll be interested to see how he runs his campaign. Yeah, yeah. You're listening it Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's interesting, though, Andrew Tobias points out that the Democrats have yet to assemble, you know, the full sl slate of statewide candidates. Um, you know, they're obviously Nan Whaley and and, uh, you know, John Cranley running for governor and U.S. Representative Tim Ryan and, and Columbus activist Morgan Harper running for U.S. Senate. But they still need candidates for state auditor, state treasurer, Supreme Court seat. Um, you know, filing deadline is February 2nd. So, you know, tick tock, guys, tick tock. Oh, yeah, and really, if you, what would you rather be? In, have a supermajority of Republicans and be in the House as not one of them, where you get nothing done, really, although he did get householder ousted, or go run for a bigger office where yeah. you just might have a chance. I right. mean, I, I'm surprised more members of the House and the Senate in Ohio aren't saying, what's the point of being here if, if it's so gerrymandered I can't get anything done? May as well run for auditor or secretary of state. Um, but you're right, they're running out of time. It's today in Ohio. 
What do the folks at the Greater Cleveland Food Bank expect to happen if the expanded child tax credit in the American Rescue Plan is allowed to expire, as it appears it might? Laura, this is pretty dire, and as usual, the food bank folks are have a bead on poverty and how it strikes the, the least of us. Yeah, absolutely. They think that if this ends like it's supposed to, a lot more families are going to need help feeding their kids. And they've noticed that the demand for the services in the area they cover, which includes Cuyahoga Lake, Geauga, Ashtabula, Ashland, and Richland County, that rises when federal benefits programs end. And so they're advocating for this extension of the child tax credit. It was instituted in July and gave almost 2.2 million Ohio children monthly checks of up to $300 per child, depending on family income and the age. And these are advanced tax credits credit payments. The last checks went out Wednesday. And this, they say, reduced child hunger by 24%. I mean, that's huge. But obviously, there's still it's still hard to make it make ends meet for a lot of these families. They surveyed about 5,000 SNAP families. They showed 60% of them had $25 or less in their bank accounts. So there's nothing left to fall back on if they don't get those payments. Yeah, it was remarkable how many people we did hear from during the pandemic who found the the extras provided to help people with raising children were so helpful. Of course, the people whose children were grown were saying, that's not fair. I didn't get any. (laughs) They also weren't raising children during a pandemic. Yeah, I know. But it was, I mean, it was one of the more benevolent things government did was to give parents some relief because it was such a stressful situation, which we're going to be talking about next. It's today in Ohio. I just wanted to say that Obviously, um, the Democrats are pushing for this to be extended as well. Sherrod Brown's one of those big proponents, and they say it's reduced the nation's child poverty rate by 40%. I mean, we've talked about poverty a lot for a long time. Something that actually made a dent in it, we we should really consider this. We all suspected we were stressed to the max during the pandemic, and now the Cleveland Clinic has proven it. Lisa, if I asked Laura or Layla this question, they would say, I'm the chief cause of their stress. So I'm turning to you. (laughs) And I'm retired. I shouldn't be stressed, but I was. Um, The Cleveland Clinic study uh, was actually a national study. They looked at over a half a million people across the nation, uh, those that in Uh, participated in an employer wellness plan. Uh, Study author Luke Laffin, MD, said that they looked at blood pressures pre-pandemic, 2018, 2019, and early 2020. Then they looked at blood pressures from April through December of 2020. Every single demographic saw significant increases in their blood pressure, me included. I actually went on blood pressure medicine for the first time in my life just a couple months ago. But women, and I'm a woman, of course, women were had the highest blood pressure increases. Why? Why? Why women? Well, you know, it's pretty obvious to some of us. But Dr. Laffin said, well, he's not sure. But, you know, probably a lot of women, they had to take care of the kids. They had to, you know, they had to homeschool them sometimes. They had to deal with that. They probably dropped healthy lifestyle choices because of the stress of, you know, caring for children during a pandemic and, uh, you know, and remote learning and all of that. So, he was asked whether is it a lifestyle thing or chronic stress. He said it's kind of hard to separate the two. Chronic stress and lifestyle kind of go hand in hand. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're not really sure why this happened. But I think we all can guess, of course. But as far as scientifically, they can't really say. But chronic stress has a lot to do with it. 
I'd so, like to know when what the blood pressures are right now for everyone <laughs> a year later. Also, I want to know how many people got shingles during the pandemic oh, like me. Yeah, and I got That's my... a really so, good point. Mm-hmm. So, Layla and Laura, you, you, you're raising families during the pandemic. Did you <sighs> find that your food choices deteriorated? Have you eaten... <laughs> has your family eaten a, a lower level of... A lower quality of food than it was before the pandemic do you think that that would contribute to that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, salty I would say i would say i think we all comfort ate during the pandemic i mean how many people were bre- baking bread i personally never had time to bake bread but I, I do think we turned to food and some people turned to alcohol because it was a comfort when you couldn't go out and you were stressed out but I wouldn't say the quality of food deteriorated. I never, I never had problems buying the food that we wanted to eat. I, I never had shortages, and we didn't like turn to takeout more. But I think maybe the quantity of food might have changed a little bit. <laughs> I think we did. We did turn to takeout more. I, I'm going to have to acknowledge that publicly. <laughs> and and that's probably yeah. And a lot of takeout food has higher sodium levels, and sodium intake right, is right. one of the biggest drivers of blood pressure. So yeah, if you're not cooking at home and managing your salt intake, it's real easy to let it get out of hand. Mm-hmm. Well, we got New Year's coming. Time for the resolution. That's right. To turn <laughs> that around. It's today in Ohio. How is the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development adding to the millions of dollars committed in Cleveland to getting rid of lead paint in housing? Layla, I wonder if Marsha Fudge, our former congresswoman who now Mm -hmm. runs the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Mm -hmm. had Mm -hmm. something to do with this. Oh, I'd like to think so. I mean, this is really great news. It's, It's part of President Joe Biden's lead pipe and paint action plan that was recently unveiled. The, uh, I mean, HUD um, on Thursday announced it's it's awarding uh, Cleveland a $5 million grant to be used for identifying and cleaning, cleaning up lead paint in 240 low-income families' homes, as well as a $700,000 grant to help abate other hazards in 175 homes. And we know how devastating lead exposure can be. I mean, especially for kids and their developing brains, it can cause learning and developmental problems, uh, loss of appetite, weight loss, fatigue, vomiting. It can cause death in, in the most severe cases, but lead is so pervasive in Cleveland's aging housing stock that addressing it is really one of the city's highest priorities. It's been on the table with all of their discussions about how to spend the American Rescue Plan money. And so this is is a real, uh, a really big contribution to that effort. Um, I mean, according to the CDC, more than half of kids in the U.S. are at risk of lead exposure. I mean, the federal government estimates up to 10 million American households and 400,000 schools and child care centers are served by lead service line or pipes and other fixtures. In Cleveland, of course, it's the lead-based paint that poses the gravest danger. But um, this is good news this week on this. Yeah, the trick now is to watch how they spend it. You know, we probably ought to incorporate this in the stimulus watch because it is the government. They do squander money in a very ugly way. And it would be a shame if we didn't get the full use of this money to make as many future generations of children safe. So we should pay attention. It's not going to the county, which we know would squander it, but we still have to watch what the city does because it's a bureaucracy. And it's a new administration. We don't know how they're going to do. Hopefully they'll do well. It's today in Ohio. 
all right, we have to have a round robin on COVID. It's out of control a week before Christmas. It feels like we're running at a cliff. First, what is going on in Cuyahoga County? For seemingly forever, things were under control. We had really good numbers. Now, all of a sudden, Laura, we're the worst in the state. I mean, this is so bad. We kept being like, oh, look at the rural areas. They're all unvaccinated. Like, this is a problem. And then look at us. I mean, Cuyahoga (laughs) County right now has 1,268 cases per 100,000 residents. That is way more than we had last week, which was at 850.2. Guys, I should have done the math on the change there. But I mean, that's just a giant number. And the state uh, average is... 783 cases per 100,000 residents. So we are just, I mean, like, I mean, close to double what the rest of the state is looking at. And I don't know why. I couldn't tell you, but it is it is scary. It is everywhere. Well, I'll bet it's the, it's because of Thanksgiving. We have more people here. We're we're a dense population, not in the way we think. Uh, and every, you know, all of those Thanksgiving visits put people in proximity with others, it, it spreads very easily. And I'm, I bet because we're so concentrated with people, it just blew up. You can only imagine what's going to happen over Christmas, right? Because in Thanksgiving, it's one day. Everybody gets together. They have Thanksgiving. They go home. At Christmas, it's repeated visits. You go to your one spouse's family. You go to the other spouse's family. You go with family and friends. I mean, it's just frightening. That well, it's, it's days and days of parties. Like it's weeks of, of gatherings, right? And in public places too. It's not just a Thanksgiving meal at a family home. Like we've talked about going to the bars and the restaurants and, you know, then there's New Year's Eve. So I, I agree. It's, it's, it's just frightening, man. We're like standing at the abyss and we're jumping. It's not just an adult problem, it seems. How many weeks now has Cleveland's school system led the state in new coronavirus cases? And what other Northeast Ohio districts rank high? Mm. Layla, we're getting this anecdotally in, in district after district that the numbers, which had been lower, are racking up. Yep, yep. And this is the third consecutive week that the Cleveland School District has registered at the very top of the chart for COVID cases. I mean, mind you, the district is the second largest in the state, but still... I mean, they reported 239 new cases this week, with 171 among students and 68 among members of its staff. Other districts in the top 10 are Parma, Mentor, uh, Willoughby, Eastlake, and Akron. Cleveland Heights University Heights reported the 13th highest number of new cases. They have 43 students and 12 staff who have been uh, infected. And then that's closely followed by Brunswick, which reported the 14th highest number of new cases, 51 students and three staff. But You know, like Laura said, the whole state is in a bad way. The numbers are skyrocketing. Cuyahoga County's leading that trend. Well, but but hold on. But stick with the kids, because if you think about Christmas, everybody wants to be where the kids are, right? Kids make Christmas. I mean, it's like, so, so, and they're the least likely to be careful. So when all these adults are grabbing the kids to give them big hugs that they haven't seen in forever, this is just a super spreader of, of unimaginable right, proportions. Right. And Omicron is out there. So we haven't seen the rapid spread of Omicron yet, but a week from now. And it, so few of the kids are vaccinated. What are we still at, like less than 15% of kids? Is, is that where we are? Last week we were talking about that. Right, I mean, right. it's such a like, small percentage of kids. 15, is yeah. it 15? Yeah. And then there are little kids, they cannot be vaccinated, right? Anybody under five. That's and, right. Yeah, it's terrifying. 
We're not alone in the state, as you said, Layla. All of Ohio is getting hit. And Lisa, what sad record did we hit Thursday at the same time the governor once again went into quarantine because of exposure? It's a bad look for Ohio when the chief executive keeps having to quarantine himself. It doesn't say we're handling this well. Yeah, Ohio hit the highest single-day total ever for 2021 yesterday. It was 11,803 new cases. Now, they did say there was a slight delay in releasing statistics that inflated this number just a little bit. But even without the added cases, we were still at 10,456 new cases yesterday, highest since January, and only the third time we've gone over 10,000 You know, since this whole thing started. The total Ohio death toll right now stands at 27,594. Of that, 13,327 were unvaccinated, 646 were fully vaccinated. Hospitalizations are way up. Total hospitalizations are at 91,800 for the state of Ohio, with ICU admissions at 11,314. So yeah, this it, it's getting crazy. And I, this is a crazy number. I didn't realize this, that the total reported cases in Ohio since this all began is over 1.8 million Ohioans that have tested positive for COVID. And as you said about the DeWines, they were exposed to a COVID positive person earlier this week on Monday. They were tested. They were both tested negative and they continue to be tested daily, both uh, uh, Mike DeWine and his wife. Um, But they are canceling public events. Um, They were exposed last month, too. They were exposed by two staffers of theirs that eventually tested positive. But they continue to test negative. But, yeah, this is out of hand. I mean, if this is the highest number since the start of the year, we are nowhere near over this. And in fact, we're going into some dark times. So let me let me ask you, you're all educated. We've all talked in detail about the perils of the week ahead, the two weeks ahead. Is anybody on this podcast changing any plans for the holiday? I'm not. Is anybody? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not either, but I don't have big parties or anything to go to. So no, but I'll be seeing family members that yeah. I haven't seen in a while. Laura, I have not changed any of my plans. Layla. Well, everyone in my family is has a has had their booster, or with the exception of our baby, um, you know, and our kids are vaccinated, and we're not going to holiday. Par- I've I have skipped out on on like my friends' holiday parties. I skipped out on our company holiday party. Um, so any place where there is are going to be people with un, unknown, you know, COVID status or unknown vaccination status, I'm I'm gonna skip out. And you know what, Chris, I might take a page out of your book and go get one of those home testing kits and take it with me to my my family gathering <laughs> and pass those out. And, and, That's and, like a uh, fun party game. That's well, they're, not, they're not cheap, man. It was like 27 bucks for two. So, And I have a feeling there's a run on them now because so many people are being exposed. I just think it's instructive that here we are. We all know what the dangers are. We're, we're all boosted. We're all at a lower risk of getting seriously sick or dying, but we're not really changing our plans. But you have to ask what our plans were to begin with. Was I planning to go to a giant New Year's Eve party? No. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it's yeah, not like it's... I was planning on going on vacation and on a cruise ship. But you'll but you'll be seeing the kids of family members who are, you're not exposed to. And so it just increases the number of people that you'll be exposed to that you have not been exposed to. And if 
everybody is thinking like this, it, the, the next week is going to be a super spreader. I guess uh, we'll just have to pay close attention to it as it happens. It's today in Ohio. People parking in the big garage at Cleveland Hopkins International Airport are seeing big areas blocked off with huge supports now bracing a couple of floors. Laura, the airport officials are playing this down, but I got to tell you, when you bring in independent struts to hold up the garage floor, I get worried about what they're worried about. They're not really telling us. They're saying nothing to see here. But if there was nothing to see here, why do you need gigantic supports to hold up the decks? I'm with you. I don't know that anyone really likes parking in parking garages. And if you see that 200 spaces are blocked off because they are holding them up with temporary solutions, that does not make me feel good. But that's what they're doing here. And they're talking about a $5 million fix to the smart parking garage in early 2022. But they haven't gotten there quite yet. There's 4,240 spaces in this garage. It's the biggest parking facility in the airport and it's been in a series of repairs in recent years since it was built in the mid-1990s which is not very old people I mean maybe that's just me but it doesn't feel very long ago the airport director said they could continue to put a band-aid on it or they could fix it I would argue that these struts are band-aids but well, that's just me. Here, here's the thing we all saw earlier this year I think it was earlier this year the building that collapsed in Florida because of erosion to the metal and deterioration. I, I would be a lot more comfortable if the airport said, y y look, in the interest of safety, we look and see what the erosion is of the metal in the decks. And if it erodes by 10%, it's still very safe, but we put up struts because we just don't want any any kind of worry. I mean, I this is one where transparency matters. How yeah. bad was the damage? that caused you to block it off and put up big struts. And they, they really, they did the nothing to see here, folks. No big deal. It's all good. We're going to fix it. But it's like, wait, you, you don't do this right. unless you're worried. How worried are you? Yeah, think about all the bridge repair stories we used to do and uh, after that awful collapse. And, and we looked at how, how thin everything was, and there are reports that would grade these bridges. I, I haven't seen a Republic report on this. We're just having the airport director say, it's going to be fine. Well, and as we know from Florida, the building inspectors didn't really do a very good job. Can we get an independent inspector out there to say, yeah, 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 this is a 10 or 15 percent deterioration. It's still this was built for triple the weight that it was going to have to deal with. And so we're still in a good place. I just this is one where transparency matters. A lot of people are traveling this Christmas. They're going to see those things and they're going to think, you know, oh my and they're going to park at park and fly. That's yeah. what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, is my car going to be a pancake when I get back? I, I, I found the airport explanations completely lacking and would like to hear more. It's today in Ohio. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Layla. Thank you, Laura. Like I said, it's the last Friday episode. We only have a couple of more regular episodes before we shut down for the rest of the year and put up some of our special episodes. Hope you all have a good weekend. And uh, Layla, you're done, right? This is it for you. Yes. Happy holidays, sure. everyone. And you wonder if she <laughs> didn't even realize that when you asked at the beginning of the podcast. Pretty sure she was like, because yes, cross that off. still have a pile of stuff to do today. So <laughs> it's... Well, and your your voice will be heard on this on this podcast at least a few more times. That's true, because the, special of the special episodes. episodes. Mm -hmm. But we'll have a wonderful holiday. And Lisa Same and Laura, to you guys. I Same will talk to you. to you next week. Thank you. And thanks to everybody who listens. <laughs> <laughs>